Welcome to Real Estate Milestones, where we explore fascinating topics in commercial real estate with knowledgeable industry experts. I'm your host, Ben Malik, and I'm a young real estate professional who is passionate about adding value to people's lives through the incredible power of real estate. My goal is to help you discover what the heck is going on in the industry and how you can get involved. This is Real Estate Milestones, where your future in real estate lies just around the corner. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, we have Johnny Katani. And if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that Johnny was on episode 13. So definitely want to go back and listen to that when you get a chance. But Johnny is the first repeat guest on Real Estate Milestones, which is an awesome way to commemorate the new year. So I'm excited to have you on the show, uh, Johnny. Hey, grateful to be here and uh, honored to be the first uh, repeat guest. Uh, we have both come a long way since we last spoke. So looking forward to catching up. Yeah, it's a, it's an honor, and I'm excited to talk about um, progress since then and um, see where we're going from here. But um, so if you hadn't seen the, the last episode, um, Johnny is the founder of Katani Capital Group, which is a fund of funds manager, which raises capital and puts the capital into other funds. And it's a really interesting strategy. You should definitely check out episode 13 because the fund of funds strategy is a really cool way of entering the real estate field. Um but he's also the, the, I guess, the host of a podcast, which is changing his name. So what's the name of your podcast, the new name? And I hope this is, I think this is the first chance you get to reveal it on someone else's podcast. So excited. Yeah, to you're right. It is. Yeah. So uh, the new name of the podcast will be uh, the Cashflow Chronicles. Awesome. I think that was different than the one that you announced last time. Yeah, it's possible. I, uh, <laughs> there were, there were a few and then I landed on one. Uh, where I thought I was being clever with this last name, but it ended up being too too difficult, and uh, you know doesn't really encapsulate what what I want to what I want to focus on. So full rebrand, but uh, it's the it's the right decision. Yeah, Cashflow Chronicle, Cashflow Chronicles. If I could say it, I think it's a really good name. But um, right. I, I I actually I'm one of the few people who got IRR in the Investor Relations Real Estate <laughs> Podcast. Yes. I liked that. I thought it was clever. <laughs> I thought, right? I thought so too. But uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, that doesn't that doesn't equate to uh, more investors when you're when you're clever. So, you know, um, making it a little bit more clear cut is actually you know what what the ultimate goal is. Um, so, thanks to my my uh, podcast coach for pointing in the right pointing me in the right direction, and I'm looking forward to the to the new direction. Awesome. Well, on that. Since you're the first repeat guest, you're the first person to get this question. Rather than what's your first milestone in real estate, which we we heard on the last show, what's your latest milestone in real estate? Yeah, so um, pretty cool that I get to say that my latest milestone is a, a step in the direction. I, I've finished, so I'll say what it is. My my latest milestone, literally as of like five days ago, was I've finally finished my first official capital raise under the Katani Capital Group name. Uh, we did fall short of, A, what I said I would raise on your first episode, and also fell short of what I told, you know, the the group I would raise. However, it wasn't nothing, right? We raised 150000 or I raised 150000 scratched and clawed to 150000 Um which was unfortunately short of my 500k uh, mark, but um, you know, as we'll get into, a lot of very valuable lessons learned for sure. Yeah, definitely, and I think that, um, yeah, I mean, 
I definitely want to learn about your, the struggle, what you've learned. And, and I think that's a, the, I guess the biggest thing that you can get from any experience is really the personal growth and your ability to, in the future, use what you learned to accomplish your goals. And I think that, um, you know, that's something that needs to be celebrated. So I'm um, excited to, to hear. So yeah, um, let's get right into it. What, tell me about the experience. I just want to hear about your first capital raise. Um, how did it go? Just walk us through it and, and we'll, we'll see so what lessons come from it um, from there. Yeah, so it went well. Um, I mean, ultimately, like I said, you know, fell, fell short of my mark. I think one of the biggest things that I realized and, and I know a lot of first time capital raisers or people who have raised capital can probably say this about their first time, but you know, I came up with a conservative number based on how much money I knew I had access to. The issue is that having access to and actually getting that money wired and actually, you know, PPM signed and, and money in, in an account are two very different things, right? So there are still some um, big check writers in my network that have I've not done a deal with uh, for good reason, uh, it, right? It's just uh, kind of a track record thing. And ultimately they weren't looking for any passive deals, which, um, you know, this last raise was that, right? It was a fund um, for a short-term rental portfolio, uh, the top short-term private short-term rental portfolio out there. So really, really solid operator, great deal. Uh, you know, but ultimately what I found is that not as many people as I thought were looking for passive investing. And so it, you know, brought its own challenges there, um, which was kind of the big reason that I fell short because the people that I thought would be writing the six figure checks ultimately did not. Uh, but I was able to get um, some family and friends and on their first deal. So, you know, although I did fall short of my mark, it feels so awesome to start to get some proof of concept going. You know, um, one of the investors is my dad, which I'm really excited about, uh, you know, as he's getting older and kind of starting, you know, really wants to start focusing on getting close to retirement. It's cool to help him, you know, get going in that and, and help them understand how it works. And, and there'll be some passive income here um, rolling in shortly um, in the next uh, quarter or so. So a lot of really awesome things uh, to look forward to as well. So. Yeah, definitely. So can you tell us about the the deal? Like the, I just pitched us on the deal. What's why would we invest in that deal that you just raised for? I just wanted to hear kind of, um, <laughs> how it fits into a thesis. And, you know, it sounds pretty interesting in terms of um, what, it, what, what, what it consists of. Totally. So I won't get into the specifics. It is a five or six B and I, I I'm almost positive now that we're like close, close. I can talk about it, but still uh, have not chatted with uh, my attorney yet to confirm that. So I won't say uh, the exact operator's name, but I will give some of the details. So like I said, um, it's a short-term rental portfolio. Portfolio. But, you know, there's already 70 plus uh, short term rentals in the portfolio. It's a very data driven approach. So, you know, it's not just a shotgun, you know, buy houses all over the place. It's very much a using data to find uh, the best markets where you can give the best experience. So, for example, 
you know, let's say you're taking a trip to Disney World in Orlando, right? Instead of, you know, going and and certainly you could go and you could stay at a Disney hotel and and certainly that would be an experience, but let's say you're also doing Universal, right? And and also going to maybe Star Wars or Harry Potter Land. Well, there are short there are houses in the portfolio where you can go and stay in a themed house where each room is, you know, not just painted with Star Wars, but like a Star Wars bed that looks like, you know, a Millennium Falcon cockpit, right? These very niche experience short-term rentals that allow you to charge a premium because what the data finds is that people are willing to pay a premium for that experience. And certainly on the other side of that, to kind of hedge that, there are some more, uh, you know, uh, urban markets, right? So like, for instance, Memphis is a very, very heavy uh, medically focused city. You know, a lot of doctors and nurses come in on short-term contracts. So you've got urban places as well to kind of hedge that. So it's a very balanced portfolio between, you know, providing a, a unique experience as well as, um, you know, very uh, useful and and strategic uh, approach as well in, in some of the urban markets. So that's kind of the, the approach in a nutshell. And all of this is using data. And what's really cool is for the first time, what you're seeing is you're seeing a retail asset. What I mean by that is, you know, typically, you know, your average person maybe has one, maybe two short-term rentals in their portfolio, right? Maybe they have more, right? Maybe they have five or six, but they're all, you know, going to probably be very close to each other, right? Make it easy to manage. Well, with this, what they've done is they built a proprietary software that allows them to constantly be analyzing all of their markets, all of the data for short-term rentals in that market, as well as all of the MLS listings in that market so that when they go for acquisition, they're actually buying a residential home on a comp, just like, you know, you would go out and, and buy your main residence. And then from there, turning it into a commercial product and using data to decide what best what the best design is, um, how to make it as unique as possible for the market to get the, you know, the most revenue possible. And then from there, it now has turned into a commercial property. And what we're able to do is take all of this and eventually the exit plan is either to sell, you know, plan A is to sell the entire portfolio as a whole to an institution, but it can also be sectioned off and sold to institutions as well. So essentially taking a residential and retail product and now making it a uh, commercial product that trades on a cap rate. Uh, which, you know, automatically increases value. Absolutely. And especially um, the, the pooling aspect, it offers the diversification within the portfolio and also that um, single check size for the institution on the on the buy, right? They can just sign the, you know, what $100 million check versus having to buy all these different houses where that's where someone like you um, and your operating group has a strategic advantage because, um, you know, you can do that versus having to be the high level 
oh, we like sing- we like short-term rentals. We want to be in this market. Um, it's much harder to actually do it on the individual level. So that's a really powerful strategy. I, I definitely um, subscribe to that line of thinking. And I, uh, I like the logic there. You also got ahead of my next question would be, if it's experiential, what happens in a recession when there is, um, <laughs> you know, maybe travel is less attractive. However, the, the skilled nursing aspect is definitely one of the biggest keys that I didn't re- realize at first. But, um, you know, I guess people like skilled nursing, traveling doctors, traveling medical staff, that's a huge market for Airbnb, which I didn't realize. So that's really interesting. Um, I guess coming on that theme, what do you see as, or can you kind of highlight your, your thinking in terms of the recessionary pressure we're feeling? How, how is the market changing from your perspective and how is that affecting your business? And, and, and what are you thinking about that? Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, it's a very valid question. Uh, again, right. When, when having this, this data first approach, what, what you're actually seeing in the data is that, you know, obviously there was a huge drop off during COVID, right? Of course, everything experienced that. And then what you saw was this massive, just rocket ship from all this pent up traveling demand. And what you're actually seeing now is you're actually seeing the cooling off period happening right now. Certainly, you know, a lot of economists, I even think that this next year is going to be uh, a much slower year, right? Um, interest rates are up. You know, the feds kind of made their plan clear. They they jacked them up really quickly. Sounds like potentially another one coming here, maybe Q1. And then sounds like they're just going to wait and see what happens. Now, you know, a lot of things happening globally, right? We're seeing a potential collapse in digital currency. So there's a lot of pressures and things that we have, we've never seen before, right? This isn't the 80s where interest rates are the only, you know, up at 12, 15, 18%, but that's it, right? There's all these kind of little nuanced um, sort of variables at play, and no one really knows which one's going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. But certainly, you know, depending on which data sets you subscribe to, it does look like something, something's got to break somewhere. That's usually how our recessions go. And so when it comes to the portfolio, this is what I tell people. It's it's going to be like anything else, right? It's going to start with your debt, right? And so I'll get into that and, and our, our debt approach and, and why we have safe debt. And then it's going to come down to your economies of scale, right? So start first with the debt. Debt is so crucial at all times. Even if you're in a bull market, you know, staying, you know, keeping your LTV low, right? Your loan to value, right? Staying at that 70% or even even lower mark. And so for us, for the operator, what, what they've done is they're getting all fixed rate, 10 year fixed rate debt, right? With usually a two to five year interest only uh, payment plan. So you're getting really safe debt that allows for, you know, an increase in, you know, potentially we have to hold longer, right? The whole period's three to five years. So, you know, we're obviously going to assess things in three years, but certainly if we have to hold that's that's well within you know what we're looking at as well as if we do get to that 5 even 7 year mark we're still not at the end of our uh uh interest rate and even if that did come they're still on you know 30 year even some are on a 40 year uh am so very very smart debt 
uh, very good loan to value. That's that's the first key, and that's what I like to pay attention to, and why I jumped on board with this because, you know, certainly something is coming somewhere uh, with the economy, and by having that good debt, it also allows us to, you know, turn them into medium or even long term rentals if if need be, right? So, yeah. kind of a few levers we have to pull just by having a uh, good debt. And the number two re- thing is the economies of scale, right? This isn't a one to even 10 door portfolio, right? We're at, I believe at least 70, if not close to 75 now. So what that gives you is economies of scale, which allows for if, you know, a certain market is not doing as well, you've got these other markets like Scottsdale and Memphis and, and your Florida markets that are strong economically, no matter what's happening, that can carry you through. And, you know, listen, this is this is real estate, right? It's ultimately, subjectively, probably one of the safer, um, more stable asset classes to invest in. And so ultimately, we're, we're going to be fine in the long run. If you have to take a down year, you know, maybe there's a down 18 months, that's that's just how it's going to go sometimes, but that doesn't mean it's a bad deal. That's why there's a three to five year hold period. And that's why, you know, you have different levers. And ultimately in the end, what you're telling your investors is, Hey, this is what your average rate of return is going to be over the life of the deal. And, you know, this is your equity multiple over the life of the deal. Right. So you've got to give it that, that, that time. And ultimately, you know, who knows best case scenario, it's just a, small little blip and you know we cruise right through the year so who knows absolutely and i think that we i want to linger on the debt component because just how crucial it is that yeah maybe in the short run your value comes down and maybe your cash flow even comes down a little bit too the key to to the debt component is that in the long run you're as long as you don't you're not forced to sell at the bottom it will come back up in the future or at least i strongly believe that in three years or five years even Interest rates will definitely be coming back down as the you know Fed loosens up, values will come back up, and given that as long as you weren't forced to sell in that you know one year from now or you know eighteen months from now, you'll be fine on the other side of it, which is really the key that you know um I guess the people who lose in real estate are the people who have to sell because they took on risky debt or because of some other component um some other risk. And then that's why they lost so much value because they had to sell at, at, at a bottom, which I guess is also going to be an opportunity for, for other people to get into the market. I'm just given how much short-term debt was taken on in the last year or two. If rates are still high, how are they going to refinance into long-term debt? How are they going to, um, or how are they going to get the capital from their investors to, to put money back in um, for that long-term debt? So that's when people are going to be forced to sell. So it's a, that's a really strong component. And I think that, that's why you know deal like the one that you that you're um involved with is is the kind of deal I want to be in in this kind of market. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, I totally agree. Right, debt to me is like the most important thing, and and everyone always wants to talk about talk about the returns, and of course, good return return profile and good economics as an investor, and and even you know if you're on the the operation side, obviously very important, right? Certainly. Um, we want to try to maximize that, but especially in these times, like you said, the ones who go down are the ones who over leverage, right? They're, you're 80, 90, 
5% LTV. What you're really going to start seeing, you're going to see a lot of um, like fix and flippers are, are starting to have a lot of houses stay on the market. You know, of course we know they're on, you know, getting crushed by hard money, right? And if they have to extend, then that's going to mean points in the long run, as well as, you know, those are getting up nine, 12, 15% now. So you're going to see a lot of opportunity it potentially in the short-term rental space, even to acquire some houses on a, you know, on a, on a really solid discount, especially because they're being sold on a comp basis, right? A fix and flipper is just going to use comps uh, to sell a house, which is then going to allow us to potentially take on a house that's, you know, already been, um, rehabbed and of course you know maybe get some instant value as well as of course on the commercial side like you mentioned a lot of bridge uh, a lot of bridge debt was used in the last couple of years uh for a lot of these operators who were just trying to get in and, and start doing deals and so you're going to see a lot of opportunity over the next 12 to 18 months for those who are positioned well which goes back to the economies of scale and having good debt and and always um you know using good leverage if your portfolio is set up for that and and you're good, you're looking at your chops right now because it's it's going to be really good 12, 12 to 18, even 24 months. Um, for for new investors, if hey, if you're new, this is the time, right? Learn, learn now because if you can learn how to do deals now when we come out of this and and hit the bull run, you're gonna just have so much momentum. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm curious, is this fund like an evergreen fund where you're continuing to acquire? Like, how do you have the capital to continue to make new investments? And, you know, are people who are buying into the fund buying into the existing investments? Just how does that work from a structural standpoint? Yeah, so uh, the fund is, it's, it's interesting how it works. So at the, so as of five days ago, our fund is now closed, closed for the year. If we wanted to do a new fund, we'd actually have to do like open up a whole new like fund LLC, um, just the way it works with compliance. However, how the operator works is they have, if I remember correct, correctly, there's five or six entry points throughout the year. So starting next year, you know, they'll, they raise money directly as well as they're very obviously fund friendly. So there'll be uh, openings throughout the year where you can start a fund, bring in your investors into that opening. And then, you know, they're essentially uh, taking it and just chopping it all up. And you're not buying actual interest in the homes, although you do actually get a discount as an investor at any of the locations, but mm -hmm. you don't actually, you're not actually uh, owning, you're just a straight passive investor, limited partner, um, so no ownership, but in return, you get, um, you know, very nice uh, return, um, preferred return, as well as something that's pretty rare is a really nice equity multiple as well at the end. So awesome. Cool. So um, I'm curious in terms of just a little more about, you know, what were the challenges with raising capital, but more importantly, um, you know, what are you going to do going forward? You know, what's, what have you, you know, what is, what's the biggest lessons that you learned and how is it going to impact your, your future um, in, in this business? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. So first thing is I put too much, like I said earlier, I put a little too much uh, equity 
uh, pun intended, into uh, uh, thinking that my my close network that I talked to constantly would just because I talked to them, because I knew there were people in there who who could invest, who had money, I thought that they just would, right? And I I grossly mis, misunderestimated that, which is it is a great lesson. Uh, that means that I did not get in, in front of nearly enough people, right? My list is not nearly big enough. I need to at least 10X my list over the next year. So that's a big thing. So how, what that's going to look like is, uh, you know, starting to go to and be a part of more like local RIAs and, and virtual things where, you know, I may, I, I'm ideally one of, if not the only commercial guy in the room. So, you know, a lot of people here in Salt Lake city love wholesaling and fix and flipping. So a lot of the meetups are wholesalers and fix and flippers. So by showing my face and, and being that guy, you know, you know, as they start to kind of understand the economies of scale and what they're doing is very transactional, hopefully they'll, you know, maybe want to diversify and get some passive income going, right? Uh, as well as, you know, I've identified my niche as, you know, creators and influencers and and busy millennials. Well, you know, sure, those people do go to real estate conferences, but not really, right? They go to, you know, tech conferences and, um you know, entrepreneur conferences and creator conferences where the top influencers in the spaces are, are speaking, right? So it's about going and getting a booth and, and sponsoring those where my, my, my avatar hangs out and getting in front of them and being a lot more proactive about getting in front of people. Um, and then there's some internal things. I'm going to switch up my lead magnet and, you know, start getting a little bit better uh, organization funnels and things like that. So really, really good lesson in that, you know, just because you know people have money does not mean they're going to invest with you, you know, uh, which means you need to get in front of as many people as possible, but not just shotgun approach, right? You need to identify where your avatar is and then figure out where they are and then get in front of as, as many of them as possible. Absolutely. And I know um, Hunter Hunter's uh, first story of his first capital raise sounds something a little similar um, in terms of that. But that, you know, something that he said to me that encapsulate this message that really sticks out to me was that, you know, there's, there's going to be people who would let you babysit their kids, but wouldn't let you, you know, wouldn't invest their money with you just because it's a, you know, it seems like you need more trust to babysit a kid, but it's just kind of a different, a different, um, different thing you know it's a different kind of relationship it's just a a different part of your brain maybe even it's just a you know it takes more to to invest and um you know people work hard for their money and they want to they want to be very sure about what's what's happening with it absolutely yeah it it really is no like and trust and you know it's ironic this business this especially capital raising is so challenging because so much of it revolves around your track record but you can't get a track record until people are willing to take a chance on you. Right. Which is why you typically start with your friends and family, but that can also be the most challenging, right? Because, you know, it almost feels like there's more pressure for the deal to be right. You know, Um, 
in terms of going correctly, right? You you don't want to take a, of course, you never want a deal to go bad, but if you do enough, you know, there, there's probably going to be some, some misses. And, you know, when you're getting your friends and family involved, you know, certainly that's in the back of your mind. It makes it a little bit more challenging to have those conversations, but ultimately, you know, they're probably a little bit more, a e little easily persuaded than, you know, even being, you know, twice, three times removed. So, you know, the bit, the biggest thing is going to be referrals. And as what'll be nice is as this deal starts to really, you know, the dividends start to be paid and, you know, more and more, um, you know, direct effect to my investors starts to happen. It'll make, you know, it'll make getting new investors easier because that's more content for me to talk about and more and more data points for me to show people like, Hey, this is what I've been able to do for my investors. So it's this weird catch 22 in the beginning where you're like battling so hard to get that track record, but the art of the first deal, man, once it starts rolling, it's like, you know, I just know next year it's just going to start snowballing. Absolutely. And it's uh the chicken uh or the chicken before the egg. Oh um, man. You know, what comes totally. first. And, and yeah, so it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, so I always thought about that too, in terms of starting out for myself, it's that, I mean, there's two parts from what, what you just said. It's like my biggest fear for starting out with friends and family money is that, yeah, maybe they're more willing to give to me, but I'm more worried about losing it because it's like, there's so much more, the stakes are even higher. And um, so it's like, yeah, sometimes like there's, there's risks in every deal. You know, the, what you're trying to do in the long run is diversify and be in, in many different deals. So when something goes wrong with one of them, it's okay because, you know, it's bound to happen at some point. The issue is if that's your first deal, you know, that's, that's a hundred percent of your invested capital. So that's like a, a whole nother story. So that's definitely some fear that I had. And part of the reason why, you know, I feel like when I start raising capital, I'd want to do it with, and I mean, I guess the key to overcoming that is being really good at vetting the sponsors and understanding what you're getting into. Um, that would be the best way to overcome that. Um, and, you know, being able to identify good deals. However, that's a skill that you learn too, as you progress. Um, so it's, it's an interesting catch 22, as you said, and, um, definitely a reason why I'm, I guess the way I'm looking to get it started is find someone with a lot of experience to partner with, you know, leverage someone else's track record. And I think that's going to be um, the entry point where I'm comfortable and also confident in my success. Totally. Yeah. I mean that you have to, this is such a team sport that, you know, I, I'm super, super grateful that I had, you know, I have incredible partners who have been doing this, who took a chance with me knowing it was my first raise, knowing I'd probably come up short, you know, they pretty much covered what they said they would. So um, really, really great partners, super grateful for them, which is a huge key. You know, the other key is, is doing small things along the way, right? If you're just starting out, you know, house hacking or, you know, doing little things to build up your track record. Maybe you have a duplex and, you know, it, it or, you know, if, if you're already a high income earner, and you're really interested in passive investing or really interested in capital raising, go do two or three passive deals, right? Maybe, you know, start now, maybe find a couple, um, you know, two or three next year. And then in a year from then, you've got actual proven concept of, hey, look, found these great sponsors. Here's my return so far. And you've got hard proof that it works. Then people are actually going to be willing to listen to you. So those are a couple of ways a lot of people get started. Um, you know, certainly don't, 
Uh, I shouldn't say I don't advise it, but it, it is more challenging to be doing your first few deals and trying to raise for them as well. Uh, however, it's not impossible. So, you know, just, just a little more challenging. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you, I remember hearing you talk about, um, adjusting your niche and that you were thinking about going for, as you, as you mentioned, millennials and, and people, um, you know, busy, younger professionals closer to, I guess, your, your demographic that you may know, be, understand. Um, so I'm curious how, you know, you decided on your niche, like what went into that? Um, you know, how much your focus is really on your niche and, you know, where are you finding them? I know you mentioned TikTok, which I think makes a lot of sense, but I'm curious, like, you know, what's your, your strategy going forward? Yeah. So, uh, you know, it really is going to be to double down on social media. So going to be a lot more, um, you know, really taking my personal account and, and making it just all about business, just really, um, propping myself up to, um, you know, be an expert right in, in, in the field of, you know, not teaching capital raising, but teaching passive investing and, and how these, you know, of course, busy professionals my age, but also these content creators and influencers who don't have the time to do the research and find good deals, but are high income earners, right? And, you know, even these, uh, these management companies that are out there managing these very talented creators and influencers aren't offering any kind of, you know, retirement or insurance or anything like that. Now, you know, I'm not going to get into to the management side of things, but what I'd like to do is is offer that approach, right? So, yes, certainly starting with the the influencers and and the creators themselves, but eventually working my way up to, you know, partnering with entire management groups and helping that, you know, helping bring the private placement world to these um to this demographic of people that just doesn't have access to that information. I didn't have access to it. If it, if I didn't just stumble upon uh, syndications through books and podcasts, I would never know about it. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people can say the same thing. And so what I've identified is that, you know, by getting on social media and hitting social media hard, I can get in front of these people and show them that there's this place out there that you can take your, your income and invest it so that it's working for you so that you don't, you know, if for instance, something happens and you can no longer make content or, you know, maybe your run comes to an end and you're no longer, you know, a viable influencer in your space. Like, you know, of course I hope none of this happens, but these are all real possibilities. And so by, you know, bringing them good deals and, and good passive opportunities, they can start building that wealth on the side you know, outside of 401ks and all this, you know, the, the public sector. Absolutely. I feel like the, I mean, as a content creator, I guess, I mean, I, I, I like what I do and it's a lot of fun, but it's definitely a lot of work. It's, it could get tiring. I wonder if a good messaging would be, um, you know, do you ever want to just like, you know, sit on the couch and not, you know, not make a TikTok today or, you know, whatever do you ever get tired of doing this every day, you know, what if you could just still be making money even when you're not, Create, uh, creating content right and so it's like you know now every time you create content it's because you love it and not because you have to do it to pay the bills we got you got something else making money i think that's the messaging that that really would would resonate um absolutely yeah you nailed it
Cool. So this last question for lightning round is what's your, what is your goal for 2023 or going forward? You know, what, what's your, what's your next milestone that we're going to, we're going to hit. And then when we, when you have a podcast next year, we're going to, we're going to hit this one. Yeah. So the goal is to cross the million dollar mark. So as of, you know, end of next year have raised a total of a million dollars, which, you know, I pretty much have the whole, the whole chunk to make. So next year we'll be really, really focused on getting in front of as many people as possible and not trying to milk, you know, certainly still, you know, friends and family, of course, but really trying to get in front of more eyes so that, you know, you, you obviously right build my list and, and uh, you know, not rely so heavily on the, the few in my, in my network who could probably write big checks. And in return that will, you know, ultimately allow me to do more deals and and raise more capital. So it's really about getting in front of more eyes and, you know, kind of honing my message in. I, I kind of took a shotgun approach this last year, right? Didn't really have everything dialed, probably put some energy in some places I didn't need to. So now, you know, for this next year, it'll be a lot more strategic and, and really building my list and, and getting in front of the right people. Absolutely. And something I'm excited about for you is I can only like, this is just something that started turning my mind. I could only imagine how incredible the network effect would be in, in the influencer space. And if one oh, yeah. influencer is in, you know, ha has a referral and they talk about you once on their, on their TikTok, I can only imagine how many influencers watch other influencers and how fast the messaging could spread. So I actually super bullish on the um, influencer space. I mean, it's something that's very necessary in terms of, you know, especially if someone just started being an influencer without, you know, I guess the education, the traditional education, or even if with traditional education, there's not much financial education, which is something that you could be the, 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 um, the voice of, which is. Um, and that's the biggest thing, right. Is, is providing that education. But like you said, right. That tailored content that speaks to them. Right. So that that's going to be my biggest thing is, is, um, you know, of course, getting in front of them. Right. And, uh, you know, change up my content, but also providing that education. So currently working on a um, big educational platform and, and, you know, um, kind of some different lead magnets and things to, to really speak to them and then ultimately be able to educate them and, and, you know, hopefully, um, a, you know, obviously bring them in as an investor, but ultimately, you know, help them, create that wealth and and build that, that passive income stream. And like you said, you know, where one goes, hopefully more will follow. Absolutely. So you ready for the lightning round 2.0? Let's do it. Awesome. So um, since he's already did the first lightning round, we're, we're adapting it. This is the second edition for everyone who's listening. Um, so to start some, a question that um, I love given my background and my family's interests, I wanted to start with asking, what is your favorite or who's your favorite musician or who's your favorite band? Ooh, favorite musician. Oh, that's a really, really good question, man. Um, okay. This has to be quick. I'm trying to think, gosh. Uh, so, uh, this is going to age me, but, uh, there, there was a time when Lil Wayne was like, I thought the best rapper alive. Uh, so, that's the first one that comes to mind only because I just was on a trip with a bunch of uh, people my age and we were reminiscing on, on the rap we listened to in, uh, 
in high school. So it's fresh on my mind. So I'll have to go with Lil Wayne. Yeah, I don't think it ages you too much. Um, I mean, first of all, well, he just kind of fell off. So, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he's a, I'd say retiring or just a kind of, you know, spending his time doing doing the the things that you want to do when when you retire, hopefully. But um, totally. So he, crowd pleaser though, because he's a New Orleans native, and uh, we everyone everyone listening from Tulane loves Lil Wayne, and um, I went to Louisiana. That's his his festival in New Orleans. He does every year. It was, it was Sweet. Great. Um, so what is another book recommendation? Last time you're on, you you suggested influences your superpower and 10x rule, but I want to hear another one. Yeah, a uh, really good one is uh, Principles, Ray Dalio. Awesome. That's a good that one. quickly became my favorite book. Yeah, I've read the, the new principles as well. That was a great one. Yeah, the uh, I have that one as well, but I have not started Changing World Order. I think. Yeah, that one's great. You should definitely, definitely check that one out. Um, so much, so much data in terms of data-driven philosophy. It's like completely a mind meld between a computer and a brain, and yeah. just like coming up with great stuff. It's amazing. So, if you could travel back in time, where would you go, and what would you do? Ooh, that's a good question. So, I am kind of a secret uh, history buff. And more specifically, World War II. And I know it was a terrible time in, in global history, but man, to experience some of those, to be able to witness some of the the events that took place that are so fascinating and even some of the controversial ones, I think what I'd really love is I'd love to be able to go back and see some of the ones that are like, you know, new released, um, you know, top secret files and, and really see how certain events actually happen compared to maybe what we've been told. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. You know, history is written by the, the winner. I guess that's correct. Um, you know, it's just, there's inherently a bias when we're reminiscing. So um, exactly. yeah, it would be cool to see things firsthand. Um, being said, I'd love to go back and hang out with, uh, Aristotle and Socrates and Plato. Like, honestly, I want to go Socrates because he hasn't written anything. I want to, I want to see him firsthand. Yeah. Um, and I would be like, even like Beethoven too, just to go back and just listen live. Like, Oh man, I played the I piano mean, all growing up. So I was crazy. a Beethoven fan. That's awesome. So um, in a hundred years, I'm, I'm in a hundred years, right. Uh, when you look back on your life, <laughs> how will you know that it was a success? You know, what is your, success criteria, what, you know, looking back, you know, how do you know that you lived a good life? It's going to be based on the, the effect and, and change that I left on the world is really, and, and if you would ask me and maybe you did ask me and, and I had a different answer, but certainly after this year, it's really going to be based on the amount of people that whose lives I was able to change hopefully for the better, of course. Right. But, um, really that's, that's my biggest thing is I, I want to leave an impact. Absolutely. And, um, just to make sure you didn't forget, uh, we got man up the F foundation for fighting men's mental illness. And, uh, I'm going to be on the board because it came up with still I've not forgotten. Still have not forgotten <laughs> We're getting closer. I think, I think that's a, probably a three to five year, um, more realistically, uh, now that I know how hard it is just to do one business, um, you know, I don't want to spread myself too thin, but have not forgotten. So that's definitely going to be a thing for sure. 
Absolutely. Can't wait. It's a good, it's a good goal. And lastly, as always, since I put you on the spot, I want to give you a chance for revenge. So what's a question you have for me? Oh man, I forgot you do this. Gosh, <laughs> this one's tough. Let's see. Last time I asked what you were studying, but now I know. Um, <laughs> all right. How many real estate deals have you done? Um, I haven't done any deals myself. Okay, so when are you going to do your first deal? Um, hopefully next year. I'm hoping when I move, um, out of college, definitely part of my plan is to house hack a fourplex wherever I end up living. I'm excited about doing that. But I'm hopefully uh, I'll have the opportunity to partner with a more experienced um, operator where I could um, bring my financial knowledge, my my ability to to model, um, my you know grind mindset, my hard work, and my um, ability to talk to people. Bring these skills to a partnership, and um, you know do a deal for with someone who's done it before and um, hopefully have my friends and family and people who um, are in my network who, you know, have learned that I have seen what I've done over the last year at the podcast and have learned to trust my expertise in, in some respect and my, my judgment will, um, you know, be able to start their investing, their passive investing career with me. And um, that would be, that'd be awesome. That's the first step on the, the vision. So I love it. If you house hack a fourplex and find, cause between your copyright and underwriting skills, that brings a ton of value. If you house hacked a fourplex and then went into a partnership and, you know, started underwriting, you, you would be able to, your track record would be like, boom, instant, you know, where you'd be like, Hey, look what I'm doing. I've got this fourplex and, you know, I joined forces and we're going to go take on this 20 plex people would between the podcast and everything. People will absolutely take you seriously. I well, appreciate that. And um, hopefully, I'm hoping that's the, the case. And I, I believe it. Um, you Love know, it. definitely just having a year long uh, podcast. It's like, at minimum, you know, I've talked to at least 52 experts in real estate. And whatever you can learn from 52 hours of, of education, plus whatever you think went into it, plus, you know, every, everything I've listened for copywriting, you know, definitely, definitely racking up a lot of, uh, a lot of, I guess, knowledge it's definitely absorbing so um yep. excited to put to work awesome love it cool so um where can people find you nowadays i know you're out on social media but um yeah where where should people go to learn more about what you, you got going on and see and you know stay in touch with what deals you have in the future yeah absolutely so honestly the best place to follow and chat with me is on instagram uh you can follow me at johnny katani j-o-n-n-y c-a-t-t-a-n-i you can also search passive income expert. I'll come up uh, with that search as well. Uh, you can also get on my list. Uh, my currently right now, what I'm offering is a free ebook. It's is commercial real estate recession proof. Full disclosure. I wrote it last January, which hilariously mm -hmm. enough uh, was the top of the market. Um, there is some good data in there, but it's just really long. Um, so I don't expect anyone to read it. However, what that will do is that will automatically get you on my list and you will be the first to know because my list is going to be the first to get access to all the new content and education that I'm coming out with before I release it to, to the world. So if you go to investwithkatani.com, investwithkatani.com, you can find all of that there. And I would love to chat with anyone. Awesome. Yeah. Put the links in the bio for sure. And I don't know if you, um, I was talking to Jason Wright recently and he's, he's a big proponent of the video lead lead magnets he's so. leading the charge on my uh on my new uh lead magnet build and design so yes i absolutely love jason yeah he's awesome i remember just 
I, I was blown away by what he was telling me. I met him at the same time I met you, the same old cocktail party at uh at Hunter's at Hunter's uh, event last January. That's um, right. And he was just telling me all this stuff that's like, okay, I've never heard any of this before. Like, this is all new. It all makes perfect sense. And it's just like, yeah, he's he's the goat on the station, right? Oh yeah, he is. Awesome. Well, Johnny, thanks for coming on the show. It's amazing to have you back, and excited to for our next episode next year. Um, you, Johnny, and everyone listening, you make him awesome. Before you go, I just wanted to say thanks again for tuning in to another awesome episode of Real Estate Milestones. If you've been enjoying the show and you'd like to offer your support, please leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It's the best way to increase the show's visibility and help the message get out to a greater audience. I really appreciate your time and support, and keep making milestones. The information provided on this podcast is intended to be educational and informational only and is not considered to be formal legal advice. The listener should not take or refrain from taking action based on its content. Any listener in need of legal opinion upon which to rely in decision-making should consider formally engaging an attorney to review relevant facts in detail and examine the pertinent law as it applies to those facts.